<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Every Week is Chaos. This is like episode 19 now. We're happy you have been with us this entire time. Or if you're just hop hopping on the boat now, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. We're going to yeah. the south. But uh, <laughs> we're happy you're with us today. Um, Lorenzo, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm finally getting over this fucking cold. <laughs> Ooh, I feel it, dude. Uh, I, had a, I had a cold when I got back from uh, when I got back from winter break into like the first week of my classes last week, and it was rough. Also, Ooh. earlier this week, it was <laughs> seventeen degrees, and it was seventeen degrees in Austin. It was a uh, seventy degrees. here in Florida. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Like I like the cold weather, but man, when the heating doesn't work in my in my job, I'm like, man, it is fucking chilly, dude. Like it was rough, but it was fine. I was telling people, do you ever know the sweatshirt and shorts type people? Yeah, I've seen plenty of those people. There was a guy my entire high school experience, and his entire thing was like it would be it would be in the middle of a blizzard, and that kid you would see walking into school wearing shorts, just a sweatshirt, and a backwards hat. That was his shtick. And we were in Minnesota. Yep. There's always that person. So, it was yeah. great. It was great. I it's you know, you, you kind of have no, to but grow if it, up in the north to understand that. No, but for me, if it's below like 65 degrees, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I'm wearing pants. I'm sorry. It's cold. My hands are going to freeze. Yeah, I wear, I, I, hell, like once it hits 70 degrees or anything below that, pants are on. Yeah. Honestly, I'll just wear pants regardless, anyways. Like I'll wear jeans, but yeah. I don't know. Weather habits. Am I right? How's the weather today? Uh, uh, so, yeah, outside of that, we've been good. We've been good. Uh, we've been living our best lives. But, um, you know, speaking of weather, we, there's a there was a there was another red wave, my guy. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Wave. Let's get into it. Iowa caucus. So who was yeah. the biggest winner? Trump was the biggest winner. Oh, yeah. Man got 50 percent of the Iowa caucus. Like the guy had a record record amount other than he, when he was challenged by bill weld wasn't it joe walsh no it was bill weld i'm almost positive it was joe walsh no he was just a congressman who threw a fit and then he didn't get re then he got primaried out i'm pretty sure i think that's his shtick but it was bill weld who challenged trump and he got like 1% in an Iowa caucus. And so technically, Trump was basically an unchallenged un incumbent because, you know, yep. Bill Weld's going to take down Donald Trump, who's the current yeah. sitting president for the so, Republican nomination. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, Trump like was really good. Um, then DeSantis got second, which for Rizless Ron is... Like 21.3% uh, last time I saw. Which, you know... And then Nikki Haley famously declared it a two-person race with her 16%. That's yeah, right, Nikki. That's to which I, which I had my absolute banger of a tweet where it's like, Nikki, Nikki Haley. We call her bird brain for a reason. She didn't even win second. She got third. Isn't that sad? We have behind a sad? man who wears heels worse than she does. Isn't that sad? Very sad. Nikki, Nikki, bird brain, Haley. You know. 
I can hear it. I can hear him. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh... Ramaswamy got like 7% and dropped out. Which, you know, honestly, for a guy that nobody had heard of before this run and who was an Indian dude campaigning in Iowa, not bad. You know, like, and he, like, here's the thing. He would have done a lot. And granted, he was always running for a, a book dealer, a cabinet position or shit like that. He was never oh, yeah. actually running for things. But I knew a lot of young guys like our age that liked him. Like, he... He would, you know, they'd be like, you know, I don't really, I mean, Vivek seems kind of cool, man. Like, there there was cool shit. I liked his, the spunk, his energy. If he wasn't hellbent on invading Mexico, you know, like. Honestly, I, I would... can't even get over the invading Mexico thing, to be honest. <laughs> I mean. I, I don't a... have any, I don't have any big qualms with the Mexico thing. I just think we need to just embrace manifested destiny take over Canada, take over Mexico. We let, like, Argentina and Brazil divide South America up. You know, standard stuff. Italy takes over all of Europe. Italy takes over the East Coast. I mean, they probably have enough sleeper agents in there in the little Italys of the world. Including me, goddammit! <laughs> you know, you just if you list some sort of pasta at some point, like, if I just go behind you and whisper, like, you know, so... Rigatoni. <laughs> you just, like, you're... you're You'll just pause. Your, you'll just see like an. You'll hear like an audible click in your brain, and you'll just start liberating Austin. Austin needs to be liberated from the fucking gay liberals that it's under. Yeah, that's fair, my guy. That's but fair. um, yeah, I it was interesting. So like, biggest takeaways. I mean, from you know Vivek doing that well. Did you see that thing? Where the Iowa voter was like, I don't really know where he's from. I hope it's not one of those 9-11 countries. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good grief. Because he's like, I still have bad memories from that time. Ooh. See, but um, I think Yevavec was never running for president, let's be honest. Like, he just used this as, a, as grounds to basically slap his resume in front of Trump. And then, like, he just goes on the campaign trail with Trump immediately after. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, like, Vivek was making a big deal. And I will admit, it was it was a really bad look. Because Trump was bashing him from from Troth Social. Truth, Troth Social, we have the best me social media platform in the world. And he was bashing Vivek. And then Vivek is like, I'm going to be the better person. I'm not going to bash him. It's like, Vivek, you don't understand politics. You realize you how much you it looks understand. like you just, like you just bent over and took it from Trump. There. Well, I'm you don't. Sorry, you don't. What you did. You and don't if you're understand. You're not willing to attack the guy who's the basic incumbent. You're not actually running for president. Haley and DeSantis are uncharismatic. They or they don't have good policies, and then they attack Trump. Well, That's why they're the, actually serious contenders to take well, on Trump. Well, here's the thing. You don't. Vivek you, wasn't. He's running for a, a for some cabinet position. Which is fine. Also, like, it's not even a not understanding politics thing. He doesn't understand Donald Trump. Like, you need to fire back. Well, I mean, honestly, maybe he did kind of understand it. Because, like, imagine if he did fire back. Trump would have eviscerated him. Yeah. Um, so, it's, you know, it's it's whatever. I saw interesting things. Um, Nikki Haley. So, I saw some interesting things. I was talking with some people in a group chat. And one of them, sorry, um, one of them 
one of them like brought up the concept of like they might pull a Joe Biden, but on the Republican thing and make like a centrist Voltron and just kind of like and 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 elevate Nikki. But the problem is that they they <sighs> there's a difference with like Democrat voters are in the primaries, they're fair weather fans, but when push comes to shove, they're so tribal that they'll vote for anyone that has the D in front of their name. The thing is that you'll Trump has a base of people where he could like bomb a building and they wouldn't waver an inch. In and fact, he probably did do that. <laughs> uh Wait, when? What? I don't know. I'm just assuming that he probably did. He ran. He was president, dude. No, I'm talking about like bombing a building in the United States. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but he probably did that too. But but like, here's the thing: you'll never you'll you'll never get people to turn away from Trump as long as that random guy from Ohio sees how Trump is bashed by the mainstream media that like he's a, he's a con artist. Yep. He's lied his way through. He never drained the swamp. Yep. 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 All that stuff. And yet you still have all these ordinary people, these really ordinary folk that just go, yeah, they hate him and they hate me too. Yeah. That's and that's the, what the Clinton campaign essentially was. The Clinton campaign was, we hate you people. We're going to subjugate you. That's what the Clinton campaign was. She was talking about the basket of deplorables, and the mainstream media was totally on board with Clinton for that. And so they just see reasonably and totally correctly see those people, the, the corporate media as their enemy. Which well, is, yeah. But yeah. also I think there's a difference about this like centrist Voltron thing where it's like, well, then you would have to have a bunch of people running as MAGA Republicans to mm -hmm. drop out and then yeah. endorse, which is not really happening. That's true. Because remember, all the people who dropped out and endorsed Joe Biden were all people trying to run as prog as progressive as Bernie Sanders was. And then they drop out and endorse Joe Biden. Well, some so of them, could, yeah. Yes, yeah, well, so weigh support away from, from Bernie. Yeah. So that was, way Biden could get it. It was basically just elizabeth warren for that thing and then everyone else was kind of there but elizabeth warren was there to siphon away from bernie and then go to biden but the thing is that like you're never going to have that happen to trump because again there's just these people that go you know and, and that's the problem with like nikki haley like because even like actually especially republicans over the past few decades before trump especially have this reputation of being these like country club aristocrats that fucking hate ordinary people like it's a it's a common thing like you know you you, you look at how mitt romney like talked to people in 2012 when he was running or you know think about any of those types of people they they wouldn't be caught dead with any of these ordinary folks. Like, ironically, it was always the job of the Democrat back in the day to appeal to those disenfranchised types in the Rust Belt. You know, it was always... It, it was always the, the job... Because they were the labor union party, right? 
Well, they were the labor union party and they were the party of the working man. You know, like Reagan took your jobs and sent them overseas, but I'm here to, you know, I'm just a guy from Arkansas that wants to protect you and your family. By the way, you like jazz? <laughs> He's not a bad saxophonist. No, he um, wasn't. He was pretty decent. But like, it right around post-Occupy Wall Street, the Democrat Party, especially under Obama, shifted into coastal elite party. You know, let's focus on New York and California and all these cities and all this type of stuff and kind of abandon. And it's like, that's kind of a smart strategy for the time because that's the most people you can, you can, you can have an entire block of section eight housing vote Democrat because you just, you know, they don't fucking speak English. So you shove a thing in front of them and you show them that the Democrats going to give them free housing. And then, and then you, and then you go straight from the section eight housing to the expensive high rises in Manhattan and go to the affluent white liberal women that go, oh my God, you're helping these, you're helping these, these poor disenfranchised, you know, people. I have to vote for you for virtue signaling. So that's yeah. the, that's been their strategy is literally just to hide, like, like bring in a bunch of Mexicans, have those be their numbers, and then have all your rich people be a bunch of affluent white liberal women that that care a whole lot about what you do with the Mexicans. So like, yeah. And it, cause it, it's this weird shift. It's almost like, you know, it's a change of Marxism, right? Cause like the idea was originally that the agrarian, like the agrarian feudal, like they'll well, revolt. And then it becomes the laborers, right? Like the labor unions. Those are the people who will revolt, right? That's the Marxist Leninist thing. Well, it was slowly actually, it shifted into like this sort of pseudo intellectualist, like, cope for your emotions thing that's become today that's become the voting base of the democrats it's it's been that shift away from the working people because the working people never were never became so angry and frustrated that they revolted well honestly it's closer to what original marxism what marx originally actually saw because what the Soviet, what happened with the Soviet Union, he actually did not think the Soviet Union was going to happen the way it did. It's all, it's a very, it's a very serendip, like it's a, it's a perfect, it was a perfect storm of things that made Russia go the way it did. Like, um, Marx and Engels, mainly Marx, because Engels was just his sugar daddy. Um, like Marx thought that all of the like everything would happen in the big cities it would always be the laborers and they would take over things and even then it was the the you know the 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 bourgeois that knew and would spread it on to the workers and that type of stuff so there was there was always that type of thing of in the cities it just so happened that some of those things came really close to happening in France and other places in Germany there's like a Spartacist revolts and all the other stuff. There's a commune in Bavaria at some point. Um, but it just so happened that Russia was on the verge of death and Lenin was like astroturfed over, like he was sent to Russia by the Germans and found a bunch of angry farmers. And those angry farmers went and did all this other stuff and now we have Russia or now then we have the Soviet Union 
And Lenin also took that and was like, okay, all these farmers are too stupid. We need a vanguard party. But, yeah, you know, and now we have our vanguard party nowadays, but the difference is that. Yeah, Marx was just waiting for the revolution to happen. He didn't think that Marxists should speed it along. He thought it was capitalism would collapse of its own contradictions, some Hegelian dialect crap that it would have that capitalism would would eventually lead to such conditions that a revolution would necessarily have to occur. It would usher in the socialist state, which would then wither away, which would then establish like, you know, communal ownership of all things and eventually wither away into communism, like the kind of utopia thing, which is different than utopian socialism, which he called where they had like weird theories. I don't know. If you ask Joe Salerno, Joe Salerno says that the utopian socialism, they believed in stuff like, you know, there were going to be anti, there were going to be anti chickens and the chickens will fly directly into your mouths. Actual lecture quote. There's actual, there's, it's interesting because some of the utopian socialism stuff was very close to like company towns. Um, A lot of the utopian socialism stuff, from what I remember, and this has been a few years since I looked into it, um, that it was, it was bosses trying to make this utopia for their workers that they'd work harder. It was this kind of, it was actually like based off of like free market principles. It was just kind of retarded. Um, but the anyway going back to like now modern politics you know we basically have the vanguard like the democrats are not even the vanguard party it's the people that go to college and are college educated and all those types um that's the vanguardists and they control all the institutions and all that stuff and this is why instead of running via political parties Uh, people that want to beat the system should be making a lot of money and then marching through the institutions again and making it so that leftists are completely disenfranchised. Why do you need to run as a political party when you can get enough? Look at how the the professors in the colleges can make leftists so angry that they block the streets and form these mobs and all that stuff. Why can't we have mobs of our own? Why can't we have people that disenfranchise leftists permanently why can't we have people that force them out of our communities why can't we have people that make them go away anyway listen they want to take your presidential candidate off the ballot do it to them so which is funny because i saw something about illinois Illinois, apparently they used a notary who was who couldn't sign the ballot signature things for biden to be on the ballot (laughs) and so biden might not be on the ballot in illinois Oh yeah. So I we mean, have at the twenty ninth we'll find out. Because that's when they're having hearings for it. I also think that um well if if they're gonna take your president off the ballot, why don't you take the <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just letting you know that leftists a lot of times make a lot of their information very public. Anyway, Okay. I like, I like how I like how the past few episodes have slowly delved into Lorenzo flirts the idea of black shirts in the street. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Lorenzo goes from you know, Lorenzo you know, goes from goes from we must gatekeep their people from the right to what if we had what if we had roving gangs. <laughs> I mean, I would still like to gatekeep gatekeep people from the right because most of those people are socialists anyway. So, you know, I uh, 
I, I actually think that, you know, I mean, also, we can still get key people from the right. They can just be cannon fodder. Whoops. Oh. All the people, all the all the people I don't like are gone too. Whoops. 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 Sorry, I'm just a retarded little guy. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm just being a silly little guy. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyways. Lorenzo calls for violence in the streets yet again. Marta We're back. <laughs> all right. Well, he, let's let's shift away from politics for a second because this is a fun one. So this is a this is a clip from the Critics Choice Awards, and guys, you're gonna realize we're back real quick. Let me know if you can hear this. <laughs> I'm God. just I'm just. He's us, guys. He's he is literally... literally us. So if you got you guys, obviously can't see that, but it's uh, it's Ryan Gosling, and he's except he got award gave him got ugh, he got an award for best original song, and it's for I'm just Ken. So we're so bad, guys. We're but he's we're... just like side eyeing the camera, like what? He's... Why do you guys like this? He is literally us. Okay, I'm trying to find. There's. No. I have the Wikipedia page pulled up. Oh, for I have the clip as well. I like the little clip from the thing. Okay, uh, read read from his Wikipedia page, Lorenzo. What is it? What is it that we learned about Ryan Gosling? So he hated being a child, was bullied in elementary school, and had no friends until he was 14 or 15. In grade one, having been heavily influenced by the action film First Blood, he took steak knives to school and threw them at other children during recess. This incident led to an suspension. He was unable to read. And that's when the thing cuts off. <laughs> That was a ram. Apparently, First Blood is a Rambo film. Sylvester <laughs> so Stallone. We are Rocky. So... Rocky got Ryan Gosling to stab other kids at the playground. <laughs> Throw steak knives <laughs> at other kids. He he is literally us. Uh, looks like he was really autistic as a child. Uh, he also imitated an accent because he thought the Canadian accent was not tough. <laughs> What? So in 1993, 12-year-old Gosling attended an open audition in Montreal for a revival of the Disney Channel's The Mickey Mouse Club. He was given a two-year contract as a mouseketeer and moved <laughs> to Orlando, Florida. <laughs> wow. he He's literally us. So basically... Fellow Ryan... cast members include Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <sighs> we need an american psycho with ryan gosling oh, good grief right we we would be reaching levels of literally me never thought possible um so gosling previously resided in new york city he oh, he co-owns tajine a moroccan restaurant in beverly hills california <laughs> he bought the restaurant on an impulse he said that he spent all his money on it Spent a year doing work, uh, doing the renovation work himself, and oversees the restaurant's menu. Oh hell yeah, he is! I love Ryan Gosling. I will. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gay, but like, 
Gosling is supportive of various social causes. He has worked with PETA on a campaign to McDonald's to use improved methods of chicken slaughter in their factories and on a campaign encouraging dairy farmers to stop dehorning cows. You know what? Maybe that's not that bad. Factory farming is kind of gross. How very unlibertarian of you. I want to turn the Amazon rainforest into a factory. I think that's I think that's incredibly stupid. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think factory farming is bad and it's actually bad under market principles. Uh, I actually think I also, what if we burn down the Amazon and put a massive Bucky's there? Then I could compromise because all, all Bucky's are made to glorify God on earth. <laughs> we have to put a tabernacle in the Bucky's where you can have a mass every time you stop at a Bucky's gas station we would be so back but the problem is that it since it's in like the heartland of america it'd be some evangelical bullshit and be like we're taking it back we're taking it back well i was actually gonna say kind of on an update for our ongoing strategy for the right kind of thing like oh yeah we we, we me and lorenzo are the architects shaping the strategy for the right they don't <laughs> know it yet but we do <laughs> well like because I was, I was you know i think that so I saw a thing that was like, you know, talking about how basically if the right wants to win, unfortunately, like, well, unfortunately for some people, it's got to embrace the fact that for a lot some of people. <laughs> well, unfortunately for a if few Lorenzo people, gets his gangs in the street, it'll be bad <laughs> for some people. And all of those gangs will be staffed by Catholic Mexicans. Um, she could grieve. Well, I was gonna say, like the 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 most amount of right. We make support... use of the border situation to 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 funnel in the Catholic. Catholic well, I mean, Catholic, on a, um, Templars. Unironically, like I think that the 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 real politic thing to do, and you know, listen, I know there's some people that really. Are, don't like the kind of like browning <laughs> for lack of a better word of the right but the problem is that the, there's the 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 most the most support you're getting right now because the problem is that like if you're going to base this off racial lines which i don't like doing like your white protestants are a minority and are completely checked out of any sort of po meaningful politics. The strongest conservative movement in this country is probably family-oriented Catholics that are not white. Um, so, like, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I'd say Hispanic, but there are white Hispanics as well. Yeah, I should. Yeah, it's so, a category broadly stretching into South Americans. Yeah, you know, and, you know obviously and, Spaniards and various mixes well, of X, Y, or Z. You know. Well, here's the thing: the the next like <laughs> the next Republican. We gotta win the Tejanos over. Oh, the Tejanos already went over. The Tejanos are like beyond. We're so winning. back. Yes. We just need to start riding horses around and retake it like it's, Hell like yeah. it's the eighteen seventies. Well, but here's the thing, right? Like the the I'll watch I'll watch the good, the bad, and the ugly a couple times, and then we'll be set. I'll then I'll have the strategy for the right all all figured out. We're so back. I mean, well, here's the thing, right? Like the the most energetic conservatives in this country mostly are not white anymore. Because most of the white people are liberal, and unless you want to like, th in if you want gains now, 
you got to look to that Catholic, Mexican, or Venezuelan family that moved in and they have no fucking clue why they're sending their kids to a school that has drag queen story hour. Like, you want to win? You make liberals de TikTok and you and you start radicalizing the liberals. <laughs> you start radicalizing them that way like they're like you know you'll get they'll write a media matters hit piece against you someday lorenzo and they'll be like the no the most well-known radicalizer of hispanics in america liberales the tiktok (laughs) well like i just i i think that well i think that the next republican like you know, I remember seeing like the mayor of Miami or something like that is like this like Republican guy who's Hispanic and like likes Bitcoin. He does. Yeah, he likes Bitcoin because Miami yeah. is huge about Bitcoin. There you go. That's that's the future for the right. And while there will be people that find a lot of issue with that, like I'm sorry that your your based white Lutheran Protestant. Um, coalition died 50 years ago and is completely weak and emasculated now. You want to win now? LARPing on the internet is not going to do it, bud. So go convert to Catholicism, go find some Venezuelans and disenfranchise every leftist on the street. So... Listen, this is the way. We figured it out. We figured out the strategy for the right mass conversions to catholicism <laughs> and radicalizing the hispanic community liberals day tiktok here i come i'm here for it let's go like it could be really easy you could just repost all the shit that that dumb broad posts but you put saw spanish- there was an ai thing of a of the malay speech which we'll get into in a bit where they basically used ai to translate from spanish to english and i'm sure you could do english to spanish oh yeah that's easy. very easily for all those videos well and 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 speaking of south americans that are pushing the right forward our man javier malay your guy Guy. Yeah, I mean, I, he's not my guy until he raises a cross over Argentina. Well, regardless, he seems to be closer to having black shirts in the streets, disenfranchising leftists. So he's my guy. <laughs> uh, my roommate is looking at me odd about that comment. <laughs> uh, Christ is king. What can I say? What can uh, we say? So, like, I think that. Basically, so Malay went to Davos and then his entire speech was shitting on Davos. Um, and it was glorious. Like, I think he basically read verbatim from a Mises Institute article. Um, I can't say I know, I didn't actually watch the speech, I just saw I, people quoting it. I, yeah, like commentary. I, and our, I did our guy, account Dankula. Yeah, I did see, um, Marcel, once again, with a Debbie Downer style take. <laughs> Come on, Marcel. Come on, man. <laughs> well, Marcel was basically like, I love what Malay is saying here, but like Davos is not socialist. They're globalist liberals. They're neoliberals. Like, you know, they're not. Now, granted, like. I think they're probably more akin to fascists than anything. No, but they want the, they want the fusion of corporation and state and everything. Sure, sure, and that's, and that's they they fair. well they have like 
the kind of like leftist progressive dialogue into it. So did many of the fascists, right? Like Mussolini was a, was a syndicalist and everything. <laughs> Mussolini was woke. <laughs> Mussolini was woke. <laughs> no, but they, while they do have that dialogue, they certainly like all have these trends towards these things. So it's probably more of like fascism is the correct way to describe it. And it's just that the means of like globalism is the means by which they do that. Yeah, and and absolutely, and this is and one of like the more interesting things. I don't know. It was it was really interesting seeing Malay because people made a big stink when he won about how he had a name, his name in the WEF stuff, and you know I'll always I'll always call out the certain people that shat on Malay incessantly when he was elected and said, "Well, the right people." The, the 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 wrong people like him blah, 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 blah. shut up you're addicted to gambling what <clears throat> sorry uh, uh so like the the i saw all that shit and i'll always remember like i'll remember all the people that are like but he got vaxxed but the he literally went to davos and shit down their throat for a, a like 30 minute speech or however long it was and and then on top of that, they turned off the comments on the on the video, and like they he fucking did that, but he got vexed. Shut up, loser! You're only on a podcast. Thirty three twenty three. Okay. Let's see here. 33. Uh, <laughs> let's just put 20 there. Let's see here. Um, I want to find this clip here because it would be very recently. It was Jamie Dimon was at Davos and he was saying some things that I'm, that I'm a fan of. Let me, let me see here. We can play this. It's like a minute, 18 seconds of uncle Jamie telling us why things are. Who's Jamie. Jamie Dimon, he's the JP Morgan C. He's a CEO of JP Morgan Chase. People are growing. They're hungry to grow. They're innovating. It's, it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. So we've got this great hand. But when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and, but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. If you look, just take a step back, be honest. He was kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm -hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta virus. Tax reform worked. Yeah. He was right about some of China. I don't. I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues, and that's why they're voting for him. And and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, right. hugging on to their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. He is ex saying exactly what I was just saying earlier. Where it's like the Democrats, Trump will always have that thing because because the Democrats can't help themselves and they go, look at all the inbred hicks that vote for Trump. Listen, this is this is this guy is the head of the most powerful bank in the world. 
I'm I'm so happy that I uh, switched to Chase Bank. <laughs> <laughs> nice. what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Jamie Diamond. Where 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 Jamie Diamond and Jerome Powell stands in this house? In this Jeez. house, Jamie Diamond and Jerome Powell are heroes. <laughs> so fun fact, because I, I I quickly looked him up for no no reason in particular, and he is Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Don't th- there's only one per there's only one type of group that can outdo the Jews and it's the Greeks. Good grief. Hey, I'm a little Jewish, I can say that. <laughs> but a Jew will pinch pennies, but a Greek will pinch pennies harder. Oh my god. Well, hey, Jamie Diamond's our guy. Yeah, I knows I, what's up. Well, yeah, and it's like he seems to be kind of he had his Ukraine flag pin and shit. Were were they in Davos? Yeah, they were at Davos. I was like, why are you doing this fucking outdoor thing? It looks fucking freezing, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, and last year, he was talking about how he doesn't... He was talking at Davos. He was getting interviewed. And he was like, yeah, I don't see renewable energy stuff becoming a reality. Uh, we're nev- we're gonna, not going to be abandoning fossil fuels for another 50 years at the very least. Amen, brother. And he was like, yeah, JP Morgan's not going to change... Our, our our investment strategy. You can find a clip away of um a couple of years ago. It was like two two three years ago where Diamond was being t- was testifying in front of like Rashida Tlaib, and she was like, "Will your banks stop investing in new fossil fuels?" And he and and Jamie Diamond like leans forward and he's like, "That would be a road to hell for America." And it's like Jamie Diamond's our guy. He's our guy. Always. Well, well technically, he's probably not our guy. He's still probably like a crony. He wants the Fed and everything, you know, croniest reasons. But you know what? When you're stuck between technocratic elite left, like the like the Davos people and crony businessmen, I'd rather have the crony businessmen. I love Jerome Powell. Don't, don't you dare slander Jerome Powell. Like no, not Jerome. I, no, I'm talking about Jamie Dimon. Jamie himself. He's a crony. How about and there are, Powell, there are, Jamie Dimon? The elite that you're dealing with aren't like they aren't a monolith. They're not all the same people. They don't all have the same vision and the same goals and beliefs. So they have different true. visions. And so Jamie Diamond and Jerome Powell represent one side of the aisle, while the Elizabeth Warren Klaus Schwabs are on the other. That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. He's our guy, and yeah. I and I and I think that he's right, right? He, you know, he, I, I like it when I see the neo libs that kind of do like the thing where it's like, you know, don't be an asshole because that's why you're losing, and it's like part of me is like, no, continue being an asshole because I want you to lose. But like, uh, it actually reminded me as well. Um, little short thing. Don Lemon is now doing the Tucker strategy and going on Twitter. Um, and With doing... what audience? So it was interesting. It's funny I bring up Marcel again because Marcel, when Tucker got fired and Don Lemon got fired, had two predictions. He went, Tucker's not going to go for a big media deal. He's going to go independent. Second one was Don Lemon is going to rebrand himself as a gay black conservative. Now, he was a little bit off with the second one, but I still think he was pretty on the money because from what I've seen, he's rebranding himself as a gay, black, 90s, common sense liberal. 
he's rebranding himself as that kind of like, you know, and there's, there were always bits of that in him. Like he's a loser, but there were always bits, like there's old bits where you, where you see him talking. He's like, you know, black people got to clean up their act. Like, you know, stop throwing trash everywhere. You know, stand up straight, talk to people in dignified men. Like, so he's had that in him. So I think he's going to lean more into that. I saw little things where he's talking about free speech and all that. Like, I think he's going to rebrand as that and he's going to get basically the same crowd that Dave Rubin does. I'm um, so happy that Marcel's on our side because if he wasn't, like if, if if all the evil people in the world were as smart as Marcel, we'd be screwed. It would be over. <laughs> Marcel is frighteningly smart. Like if, like if Ayn Rand got one thing right, it's that we want to have incompetent, stupid people in charge of these things because then they that because they won't they'll let people slip through the cracks. And yeah. so I'm happy Marcel's with us. Marcel is frighteningly smart. Every time I see him, like he is so unbelievable. I just smart. I hop into a Twitter space and it's Marcel and he's talking about like, oh, here's what here's this inter-Israeli politics thing with the judicial system and the Likud party and all this oh, stuff. He, I'm like, how do you know this crap? How? Didn't he like lift a car up or something like that? I think so. I think that's what I'm told that he lifted up a car to help move it or something. He has like the genetics of like he he's got like excellent genetics and body and mind. <laughs> yeah. Like he is and his username is just like powerful. Anarchy in black like legend. What a guy. Yeah. I need to talk with Marcel more. He's always on those Twitter spaces like for like hours at a time. I don't know what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's doing the same thing we do with our podcast where he's slowly formulating a strategy for the right, <laughs> but Except the right doesn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if his calls are it's the like, same. It's like, you know, if you, you know how, if you tune into War Room, you can like understand what the MAGA people are actually doing. It's like that. <laughs> That's it's just a smaller scale War Room. Yeah. I wonder if he's come to the same conclusion as us, which is gangs of black shirts, but they're Mexican Latinos <laughs> that got radicalized by AI translated libs of TikTok. I know the name of this episode. It's going to be the Mexican black shirts. <laughs> Good grief. Oh. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Every every fascist sympathizer is going to be a Mexican Catholic. As Franco intended. <laughs> <laughs> they release Oppenheimer to try to try to instill the tendencies to want to oppose them to to reintroduce the Spanish Civil War into the narrative to counter to counter oh my god okay okay here's the next thing convince the mexicans that franco was based i don't think you would have to try that hard all you literally have to do is show them the images of the republicans in uh in spain digging nuns out of graves like all you that's all you have to do all right now i'm gonna go to my ghetto ass dominoes that i work at with walk across the street to your gas station taco stand sir have you seen this franco is our guy oh sorry hold on our google translating let's 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 see okay let's pull this up 
uh, Franco is our guy. <laughs> and then play it into the mic, please. Thank you. Okay, let's do that. Hold on. How do I want to make him say it? Franco es nuestro chico. <laughs> so true. So true. How do you say so true in Spanish? So true, King. <laughs> Thank you, bird. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, bird. Thank you in Spanish. Gracias por hope. Gracias, I think. Gracias, Para... pájaro. Gracias. <laughs> we should just start replying to Bird on Twitter with gracias. He needs to start. He needs to start liking my tweets again. Um, I need to learn Spanish, to be honest. I think it would be incredibly useful. Yeah, bud, you live in Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to pick up Duolingo again. Get threatened by the. Cartoon. Oh, also, um, I also uh, uh, speaking of politics stuff, Justin Amash is running as a Republican. <laughs> After the Libertarian Party couldn't even keep Justin Never Trump again, Amash. Yeah, that's like here's the thing. Justin Amash seems like a very nice guy. Um, his speech was incredibly boring when I saw it, and I kind of left halfway through because it was really boring. Yeah. Um, you know, is he cringy when it comes to Never's Trump stuff? Yeah. Is he? There are other people that are a lot worse. Yeah. You know, in terms of like congressmen, he was a very good congressman, but that's a really low bar. Yeah. Um, but seeing that he's going as a Republican again, well, shows. Accepts the reality. Accepts the fucking reality that running as a libertarian doesn't do anything for you. I'm sorry, everyone. I know. Ugh. I liked Connor's analysis that he yeah. probably left. Uh, he probably left the Republican Party because he knew he was going to lose the next election because of his anti-Trump stuff. It looks like uh, it looks and like then, three looks like three-year Letterman endorsed him. Uh, I guess we have to endorse him now. I, I'm sorry. I guess. Coach I guess, and everything we just said about him, he he's great. He's great. Coach, never been Coach better. Him. There's never been a better candidate than Justin Amash. Nobody, nobody better. <laughs> I'm gonna really work on the Trump impression. I Smoke, really want to get it down. Smoking crack with Hunter again. Um, do you see that clip where some guy asked Hunter Biden what kind of crack he smoked? <laughs> yup. Oh. <laughs> But no, what was Connor saying? I'm Connor was basically saying that Amash left the GOP because he was going to lose his next election, and by running, by being the LP guy, it gives him an excuse to, like, you know, not get to to lose or to not go back and do it again. Where and now he's out of the LP because he wants to actually try to be relevant again. Mm-hmm. So, what? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. Just shows don't run as the LP if you're trying to win. I mean, I would say don't try to run as the LP regardless, but I think I it's know. true. I think it's I a think true. It's, true. I, it's an a priori true, uh, true ugh, information. It's an axiom. You don't run a third party. Yeah, you don't run as a third party. But um, yeah, well, okay. What other topic do you want to hit on? Where um, I saw this. Tweet oh, the therapy. Yeah. So this tweet was. 
Super hot take. The normalization of therapy is becoming a bad thing for society. I'm seeing more and more people, one, use the fact they are in therapy as a get-out-of-jail-free card for awful behavior. Two, believe everything their therapist says as gospel truth with no further research required. And three, equate the act of going to therapy with the actions of being a good person. I'm not saying therapy is bad for everyone, but I'm seeing a trend of less personal responsibility for bad behavior and a lot more talk about therapy as the only solution. That's a take. Yeah, so I actually agree um, a lot with that. So I, I was telling David, I took, I've taken therapy for a while. I don't take it anymore. Well, I technically take it now and again just to make sure that I can still have my prescription um, because as much as I would like to be off my meds, uh, right now it's kind of nice that we are uh, good with the meds. But um, the uh, here's the thing. This is the first thing I'm going to say. If you are a man... Never, ever, 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 ever seek therapy with a woman. Because a woman does not understand you. I'm not saying this is part of like a misogyny thing, even though I am pretty misogynistic. <laughs> um, it's just that women do not understand what men go through. Same thing that men don't understand what women go through. So find a man. And preferably find a man that's actually just a guy that you can talk to instead of a licensed therapist. Therapy speak is toxic. And let me pull Just up find a bro. Well, let me see if I can find... Because let me look at... Because, like, here's the thing. Lift heavy rock, make sad head noise go away. Well, sometimes you need to talk to somebody. And I talked to this guy who's, like, a therapist, but not actually... He, you know, he uh, did such, such non non-licensed things is grab me by the collar of my shirt and shake me while telling me that I meant something. Uh, you know. Okay. And I, I love him to bits. I love him absolutely to bits. He saved my life. Um, but it's, again, you don't, you don't go for the licensed guy that's got soft hands and, like, you know, doesn't really... You know. <laughs> Uh, his soft hands and doesn't really do anything and like gives you therapy speaking never go to a woman because that's even worse it because all the therapists now are gay communists and they're going to tell you the same shit it's it's either they're going to self-validate you or it's going to make it a thing where it's like do you know how many people so it's funny they were talking about how like going to therapy is now considered the equivalent of being a good person yeah um when like it it's funny because a lot of those people are just very manipulative and they just do that because it's what society tells you is what being a good person is and you would not believe the amount of people back when i was on dating apps which i'm thankful i'm never on again um but back when i was on dating apps the amount of people that were like, it's a green flag if you go to therapy. We love our men that go to therapy. It's like, no, you want someone that's completely emasculated and completely beaten down. And then then you can use your therapy speak and then he'll then he'll have you'll he'll have to just take that. Because as a man, if you go, especially if you go to a female therapist, you are it's it's more of a reinforcement of the belief that you're trash. It's more of an enforcement of that belief. And, you know, therapy, like, 
a female, like a, a licensed female therapist. And I keep saying female therapist because with male therapists is slightly different, but a lot of those can be just as emasculating, but the women therapists are really kind of the problem here. Shocker women being the problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> no you're telling me this for the first time. Um, um, but, uh, but really like the, if you go to one of these therapists, you're going to get two kind of reactions. You're either going to get like, oh, you're doing this thing. Well, you're either going to be toxic if you do this, unless you become, unless you become basically a woman, you become very emasculate. And that's when you get those kind of like the, the, the end result of that are those types of guys that call their girlfriend, their partner. They've been together with them for five years and have not proposed for marriage he pays for her abortions and he basically goes, Oh, well, that's just not the vibe, bro. Tendo. Like that's not heckin' cool of you. Like it's that type of person. Vibe, bro. Like, there you go. Now I've explained a man that goes to therapy from a female therapist, probably at the insistence of his, his girlfriend. He has no power or agency. He's no longer a man. He's, he's so emasculated to the point where he, like yeah so you know basically therapy is is a way for you for for gay communists especially women to indoctrinate further <laughs> that men are bad and that men should be subservient to women <laughs> public then, schools and therapy are the means by which female communists reproduce there we go exactly that's the yes so like, you know, and I'm sorry if this comes across as red pill of me or whatever, but it's not, it's not that it's just truth because now that being said, I think that sometimes it's very important for a man to go through a therapy or a therapy like thing, as long as you find the right person, because you need to talk about something sometimes you, you don't want to talk about everything. I think that's one of the other bad problems that you're supposed to talk about everything. And it's like a guy Sometimes a guy just needs to go out and fish or something to get, get, be alone with his thoughts and his feelings, not bottle it up, but it's going through a certain thing. Women talk about their feelings. Men don't really. And sometimes that's okay. Like sometimes it's, sometimes men should talk about what's going on, but, but sometimes men just need to go be alone for a while and then things are better. And women don't understand that. They fundamentally don't understand that. And some when, on the occasions when you need to talk to somebody, go find a guy that you trust. Go find a male therapist that is not licensed. Go find someone that's been through a lot. Go speak to someone that's in, like an older person in your life that's going to, you know, not someone your age, but someone that's a little older, you know. Maybe not your dad. Maybe like if you have an uncle speak to your uncle or you know if, or like that uncle that's not related to you but is part of, like that type of stuff but yeah don't you know if you want to become a woman go see a female therapist and half the time especially with young kids now you know what happens the young kid goes to therapy and is like have you considered that you were born in the wrong body is that why you're unhappy Lawrence? exactly exactly so like you know Therapy is just another propaganda tool, especially once people leave the public schooling indoctrination. Um, 
So yeah, I'm I'm pretty against, and that that's not even to go into psychiatry where it's like, oh, here's a pill to make you feel better. And now, granted, I will say there there are actual benefits to that sometimes when it's like you know. See, I I went for a while back when I was like maybe 15, 14, 15 ish when I was going through like my my edgy teenage phase, and I think it was that I didn't have. I felt kind of maybe disconnected from my dad and I love my dad. My dad's my favorite person in the world, but it's like, you know, me and him don't necessarily have a lot of the same interests outside of like talking politics, which is maybe why I'm why maybe finding that common interest of talking about that is how, why, uh, why, how I was able to talk to him more, but it was that I, I didn't have, my dad was like, you know, he likes all of the, like, you know, here's fix a machine thing. I wasn't that kid. And so when I go through my edgy teenage phase, I ended up going mostly. And it was, I think it was beneficial for me just because it gave me someone to talk to. Yeah. Who wasn't presenting me with, with super uncomfortable truths right away that I eventually had to realize. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't helpful at all. Maybe it was helpful in some ways. I don't know. I ultimately realized that, like, you know, all of my feelings as an edgy teenager, as a stupid, angry teenager, was like, it's not a phase, mom. We're just like, maybe that, w maybe it was just a phase, and I just needed to learn to get over it the entire time. Did, I you, had go to, to did you go to see a man or a woman? It was a woman. So that's probably why it stayed st stuck around for so long. So it probably wasn't as useful as I imagined, as I remember I mean, it to be. I mean, here's the thing it can be useful. It can be useful. I'm just, I, I also like advice. I, I think it was more of a coping technique at the time was more the thing. Or going to therapy? Yeah, it was more like I wasn't being, I wasn't actually trying to solve my, my angry feelings or like, or my like sad, depressed feelings. It was just like, I got to talk about it. And slowly I worked myself into, oh, it's, this is all kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. and it was never presented to me like that could be the that could be the case at all and so yeah it's it's just a very i felt maybe it was just like it gave me like a coping mechanism at the time that eventually i realized i didn't need and so it i get that i and i also will say as well therapists keep their job if you keep feeling bad yeah but that being said if you use therapy correctly it can be very good which i've done it you've done it you know it it can do good things as long as you don't you know as long as you i mean if if you got to have a woman at least find a conservative woman the problem is that the humanity... go to church talk to yeah. your talk to your local priest there you he go. You. Talk to your local priest. Talk to your, I mean, if you're, if you're of that persuasion, talk to your local pastor. Talk to your local Hispanic black shirt. That's <laughs> so true. Convince <laughs> yeah. him that the left is the problem. <laughs> Don't, he, he won't understand <laughs> English, but he'll give you a bunch of Modellos and you'll be <laughs> drunk. Uh, oh, little man looks sad. <laughs> <laughs> here you go. You go. Here you go, senor. Um, but like the you know like go go talk to go talk to my fellow my fellow gentlemen lift weights if you feel like you aren't good enough you probably aren't do something about it 
I also will say that can come with its own set of mental health things, but you need to curb those as well. If you're going to go into the gym, go in with a somewhat healthy mindset. Because I think Jordan Peterson was actually a very good like middle ground. Yep. Mm-hmm. He presents. He presented like I think he helped me a lot when I finally came across him. He presented read, me with like read ugly. 12, read twelve he, rules for life. Yeah, read twelve rules for life. Accept that there are certain harsh realities that maybe if you don't feel good enough, then. Maybe there is some truth to that. What can you do about that? You know, actually take an initiative, stuff like that. You know, and and I think that was very helpful. So, yeah, it's you know, it, it's good to it's good to do. It's good to <sighs> go talk to your local Mexican. Um, please, please do. If it's a Mexican priest, even better. Those guys are not gonna like gay people, dude. Mexicans do not like gay people, dude. Um, so I thought this was an interesting video. You mind if we play it and maybe pick apart as like our last thing before sure. we before we hop out? All right. Sure. But conservative is not synonymous with Christian, and sharing faith in the true God is infinitely more important than sharing certain political views. That's why in today's episode, I'm going to talk about two types of people who either identify as conservatives or at least claim to oppose modern liberalism or modern leftism who still need to be converted to a full acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the teachings of his church. So this is Trent Horn. Trent Horn's a staff apologist at Catholic Answers. Great guy. I absolutely love his content. He did a really great de- He's done set, like two debates against the Destiny guy. And the Destiny guy is really good at just like arguing with no point. For whatever reason, but I hate Trent, destiny. but I hate Trent, destiny. Trent dances around with him, and just is able to like nail him into positions that are just like that show you the extent to which Destiny's points of view really what they really mean, like with his acceptance of X, Y, or Z, and how those lead to like these horrific things. And so Trent here in this video, the original video is sixteen minutes long. We're not watching that. This is like a two three minute clip of it where he's talking about like who his problems with certain kinds of conservatives or like you could better, you could also replace with like right wingers. Right. And so I think this is, I think this is, I thought he had an interesting take here. First, there are the immoral individualists. These are people who tend to be economic conservatives, but also support liberal social policies. There are people like Dave Rubin who say they left the left because liberals went crazy on social issues but then perpetuate their own kind of crazy by doing things like ordering children via surrogates to be part of their so-called gay families. It's also hypocritical for conservatives to ridicule political opponents like Pete Buttigieg for depriving children of a mother and father, but congratulate political allies like Dave Rubin for doing the exact same thing. Conservatism leads to anarchism. If you don't have a consistent, virtuous worldview that you're actually trying to conserve when it comes to sexual immorality Hold on. I, quickly, uh, so number one uh you can have a conservative anarchist society uh so i'm gonna quickly do that there also it's true dave rubin is a gay liberal dave rubin did not leave the left he literally just found a better market to grift off of Fuck Dave Rubin. That it's it's that little... it's not that he left the left. It's that the right came to him. Yeah, that stupid little gay <laughs> should not have a fucking audience anywhere. One hundred three seventeen, David. I saw you getting out <laughs> the notepad. 
There you go. <laughs> but yeah, do you want to continue? Yes. Yes. Same-sex marriage, drag queen story hour, and transgender ideology did not come out of nowhere. They came from partly from conservatives decades ago in the mid-20th century who said contraception isn't a moral issue as long as I don't have to pay for it. Or conservatives who trumpeted family values while being on their second, third, or fourth marriages. They weren't trying to conserve a Christian worldview for society. They were immoral individualists who only stood up for moral causes when it was popular to do so, like being against so-called same-sex marriage in the 90s. Even Democrats like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama were against so-called same-sex marriage going into the 21st century. Other gays and lesbians should be able to get married. You know, my feelings about this are constantly evolving. I struggle with this. But when you normalize non-procreative sexual acts between men and women through things like contraception or downplaying the importance of marriage through no-fault divorce, this normalizes all non-procreative sexual acts, including acts between people of the same sex. When it comes to transgender ideology, Part of this comes from widely accepted social caricatures of women, including those conservatives hold. If women are reduced to a collection of exaggerated secondary sex characteristics, then womanhood becomes a costume designed to arouse others and not a unique life-giving foundation of society. And if womanhood is a costume, then anybody can wear it, even a biological man. So... Uh, I there's things I agreed with and things I definitely didn't agree with in that one. Um, I think for the most part he's spot on, especially the transgender stuff. That's like yeah, you know, and this is something that the trads help perpetuate is that you know women have to be this certain type of thing. Every the 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 trad point of view is that. Women are to be housewives who are subservient in all ways to their husbands, and they must always obey and basically be a mindless slave. And you're not supposed to be attracted to them because sex is bad. Yeah. Uh, Basically, that's the point of view. And so these people just need to fucking join the clergy at this point. (laughs) I would rather them not. That's true. That's true. They don't have a sound. But, uh, uh, I disagree with um, so there's an interesting thing about no fault divorce. Um, I saw some interesting Dean had a great thing on it on TETC a while back. Let's see if I can find it if you want to listen to it. But he was basically saying is like if you want to change the it's no fault divorce, it was the sexual revolution that made the divorce things where they are. The, the if you get rid of no-fault divorce and you don't fix the other things that have made it this way, you are guaranteed to have every single divorce be messy as shit. Because now you can have things where you can settle divorces relatively amicably. And while it's still bad, and I don't think people should get divorced, then the kid doesn't have to deal with their parents going through a legal battle for six months to a year or even more and maybe the police getting involved, like they're like, it turns every divorce into a battle. So I do think that some people now granted, now granted the family courts are fucked up. Um, the sexual revolution fucked up things, but I, 
but I don't think... I think that things like feminism and things like um, sexual revolution of the 60s and to a lesser extent, contraceptives. I mean, things like birth control. I don't think condoms. I, I, I still don't really agree with the Catholic thing on condoms. That's a little bit... I don't... I don't... That's one I won't... I, I don't get behind. But everything else, yeah, I can see... Um, now that being said, going back to that, um, those things have contributed to the divorce rates going to where they are and no fault divorce just enables that. If you get rid of no fault divorce, but you keep everything else the way it is, <laughs> it's actually going to get worse <laughs> because then you're still going to have all these divorces and they're going to be really messy. So I think that uh, I'm, that I'm, can I, can I push back a little bit? Sure. Absolutely. So I think uh, like, as far as like when it comes to like the contraceptive thing and everything that when you kind of divorce, like the procreative act from what its purpose is, what like, you know, people like, I, I like, I see our, our friend Zulu, right. He will go and say like this thing called teleology is just mysticism. It's not real. But it's I I can't see anything more accurate than teleology. Teleology is like the end of things. What things do right? Like what is their rightful purpose and order? Right? Like you know, like Trust if I me, take my, my AirPods here yeah. and I go and I eat the air and I try to eat the AirPods, that's not going to sa really satiate my hunger. That's not what its teleological purpose is. And Apple is actually going to satiate my hunger, right? Like that's its teleology, what it's meant to do. And when you divorce the procreative act, which teleologically right like we are biological organisms that's there for reproduction primarily yes but like, i don't I, i'm I, going when you divorce that then and then you make it and you make it so that it's just this thing is only for whatever we deem it to be right with like contraception right like if you would you, you, when, you, when, you when you input say contraception into the image here you have people start to divorce the the reproductive aspect of it from the act itself, which then means that you start to, it, it starts to create this idea, right? Where but it's like, people, I no longer, when I engage in this act, it's not for this purpose. It's for my own self-pleasure here. It's for yes. X, Y, or Z rather than it's for children, which leads to people believing, oh, if I engage in this act, then I don't need to, then I, I don't have this obligation to this, to this no. child. Uh, I will. I, I think it's. A, I think the slippery me, slope me, thing is push, is accurate in this respect. Let me push back on that with a few things. One, uh, I think that people have associated sex with pleasure since people have been having sex, and I think that yeah, and that's not. It's not something it, that's like well, you're not. You don't. It's not removed from it, but that's not. It's teleological. But, uh, yes, end, I, I, right? I understand not, that. That's the, not why we have it. That's not but, why it's pleasurable. But here's the problem. Uh, would you rather, and here's the thing, there's, there have been contraceptives all throughout history. Would you rather have something that kills the fetus? Cause there's things that you can drink. There's herbs that people had back in the day that would do that. Or would you rather it be at least a preventative measure? <laughs> that but see, cause it, then it depends. It really depends. Cause we don't know how all of them work. I, a not, lot of them will a lot of I'm them not, will yeah. specifically target after say implantation. 
like I'm say not, like various I, forms of like birth control or morning after things. I'm not like, talking those things, about those I'm things not, will prevent, yeah. say, like a fertilized zygote from implanting and becoming a fetus. So I'm I'm not talking which would so necessarily end a human life, which I would oppose in all respects. Now, if you get to like just things like oh, just like a condom thing, well, then I think then it it falls into that it divorces the procreative act from the process of creating a child from from reproduction. And this which is, means and that you just engage in it for its own sake there, which means that you can necessarily make that argument that oh, by because of this, then I don't have an obligation here because I didn't consent to have a child here, right? Well, I, didn't, I didn't agree to this end, which I don't think is, I think is not. Now, good. here's the, here, and this is the same problem with no-fault divorce. Here's the same problem with no-fault divorce. Yes, I understand these things in concept, but I think sometimes you have to pick between the lesser of two evils. If it means that, like, if you... I would rather keep condoms around. I I actually think birth control is actually very bad for women. They don't talk about it, but birth control is really bad for women. And they don't. I've, I've seen enough like people that I followed on Twitter who have radically whose lives have radically changed as a result of stop. They've, they've yeah. stopped doing that. Yeah. So that's that's like I'm 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 divorcing this from IUDs, birth control. Um, I think that plan B is actually one of the only things when people bring up the like, what about rape or incest thing? That's one of the only things where I'll be like, that's like, if you are literally taking it the morning after, I I don't have as much problems with that. I still, I, it still makes me a little uneasy, but there, are, I think that if you, if you, if you outlaw a lot of contraception without first changing the culture, you're going to get a lot of a lot of problems. And I think that there are certain times when certain cultures and certain people need to have more condoms in the culture because sometimes what I'm basically trying to say is that change the culture first before you go towards big things like that. Change the culture first before you want to go to no fault. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to get those changes without changing the culture first. So I think it's a like, yeah. which comes first, the chicken or the egg thing. And I think, well, the egg's got to come sure. first. Frankly, if you follow evolution, then at one point it wasn't a chicken. This thing was no. another kind of species. I, and then it becomes, a, then it creates something that is an adaptation that becomes the chicken. You know, like the, no. the egg comes first and the egg is changing the culture. If you want to necessarily get the fruit of that which is the change these laws that enable for further culture in the future i do love biting into a nice egg and getting that nice juicy fruit that's inside <laughs> um, you're just <laughs> biting into eggs just like you like it's an apple <laughs> okay yeah it's it's the new thing every that's what that right-wing health influencer was telling me i need to be sunning my balls eating raw red meat and eating raw eggs like their fruit fruit i'm gonna be the next based king uh, no, but i i think that when you when you divorce these teleological purposes it leads to that it's for its own end and then you can start making these cases that you did not engage in x y or z for these for these purposes and thus you you don't allow it which which creates this and, mentality of like that would allow for like can the abortion out of convenience because i have supremacy over my body here and thus no act i do here has a natural purpose and thus i have no obligation to this now, child. i will also say with condoms um 
back in the day, people were riddled with STDs <laughs> because people still had sex. Like, the, I mean, you're listen, you're going to find this interesting, but like even St. Thomas Aquinas, he made the case why prostitution shouldn't be made illegal. Why? I, I, I would have to look into it, but I remember that this is loosely something he talks about where Aqu let's look this up Aquinas on prostitution. Cause I, I, I think that that's for the thing. Prostitution was way more rampant back in the middle ages or whatever. And the thing is that those women, Oh, here's a Mises article from 2013 Catholic theologians. Pro oh, this is a Ryan McMakin article. Prostitution should be Ryan, legal. Ryan I refer McMakin. of course to the theologians known as St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine. Anytime I see anything that McMakin, like any headline, I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's on something. He's he's a great guy. He's a great Catholic. He's he's he seems really smart, but like I'll see shit where he's talking about like great replace how like <laughs> like the the white settlers in the 1800s great replaced the West. <laughs> Oddly enough, he does not. He, uh, instead, he notes that the state should allow fornication and prostitution to exist for the sake of the common good, relying on passage from Augustine's De Ordine. Aquinas advocates tolerance of prostitution by noting. Accordingly, in human government also, those who are in authority rightfully tolerate certain evils, lest certain goods be lost or certain evils be incurred. Thus, Augustine says, um, if you if you take a, if you do away with the with harlots, the world would be convulsed with lust. If these pra social practices were to be suppressed, the public reaction might be such as to threaten the peace of society. And that's it. so take that argument and bring it to condoms. If you if you get rid of condoms, then you have a bunch of retards having a lot of unprotected sex. And then sure, you have a lot more babies, but these are not people that you want to have be parents right now. And it's going to be a total mess and society is going to you need to first. I just think we should banish them to leper societies. To leper colonies. <laughs> Imagine your you your when you go on your youth church mission, it's to go and treat the new leper colony. And it's people that have had sex at like seventeen years old that aren't married. Okay. The goal. Of, so Aquinas. So summarize and summarizing Aquinas. That. Oh yeah. I'll I'll have to look into this article, but this is interesting. I. I um, but uh, yeah, Aquinas, I guess, was opposed to it because he thought that you were going to lose certain goods of the world. Which I don't know. I'm I'm interested in that argument. Well, I don't know. That's an interesting. I'll have to read more about it. But also, oh, 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 I sent you the Trent Horn video. I'd love for you to watch it. And I honestly think that breaking down the rest of his thing, like it, say we go past his section on immoral individualists into racist conservatives is is an interesting his his topic on like the racist conservative one is also interesting which i think would honestly be an interesting breakdown on the show i love racism what do we <laughs> no i think i think trent's correct about this stuff and so it's an interesting one but i don't know i, I was interested to hear your thoughts but i think we're getting close to our time together mm -hmm. lorenzo yeah. where, where can the people find you and support you and what you're doing they can find me underneath the alleyway um, in the Preaching alleys to of the Hispanics of Austin, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> my black church will not speak a word of English. 
They're, another another word for them back in the day was brown shirts, but these will actually be brown shirts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find me at, on Twitter at prog underscore enjoyer7. Um, Instagram, Lorenzo underscore Silvio, no politics. Um, and uh, actually, one of my band members had his account hacked. So if you see anything from one of my band members, like a DM from him, his account got hacked. Oh, so he doesn't want... Oh, bro, I lost how many Bitcoin? I thought he needed that. Did he? Has he sent you anything yet? No, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, uh, that, that's where you can find me. You can find my band in the links below or something like that. Um, where can they find you, David? So, uh, this episode's going to be coming out tomorrow. We're recording on the 18th. And so this episode's coming out on the 19th. Uh, it, depending on when this comes out, eventually, uh, I will be going on Caleb Brown's show that talk about C.S. Lewis. It'll be very fun. You know, Thomas review, all that fun stuff. It'll be fun. We'll talk C.S. Lewis. You know, he'll be talking line, the witch in the wardrobe. I'll be talking like, you know, mere Christianity, screw tape letters, all that fun stuff. So you can find me there, uh, as always, on Twitter and Instagram at RealDavidBJr. Just the JR there on Instagram and Twitter. As always, uh, you can also find The Cradle and the Convert. Uh, me and Connor didn't record a show last week for whatever reason, because I think of football playoffs. We'll record an episode this coming up this week so we can have something out for you. Go, go watch The Three Wise Men. Yeah, go... <sighs> Connor doesn't get plugs. So go check out Cradle and Convert on like wherever you get your audio podcasts. Remember to subscribe to this show by going to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any Amazon Music Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast feed. Go and find the show there. Go and give it a listen. Give it a good review. Leave a review. All that fun stuff. So that way you can share with your friends and more people can come and enjoy our, this wonderful experience as we give you a grand strategy of the right. But yeah. <laughs> next next week. What's that? <laughs> Next week, how to turn Chinese immigrants into yellow shirts. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. Hugs and kisses, bitches. We out. <laughs>